Welcome to Agribusiness Conversations, the podcast with your business in mind. This is Amber Morin, your host. We are talking agribusiness, its hardships, its successes, and its emerging opportunities. Subscribe today to hear from leaders in the agriculture industry as they tackle challenges and provide you and your business with solutions. All right, welcome everyone. I want to introduce you to Frank Krentz. Frank is a fifth generation Arizona cattle rancher in Douglas, Arizona. He has graduated from New Mexico State University and is president of the Arizona Association of Conservation Districts, which is really what our conversation is going to be focusing on today. So, um, Frank, have I missed anything? Do you want to share a little bit more about your bio that I might not have told the audience? Oh, I don't know. I was a member of a leadership group here that Arizona put through called uh, Project Central. Um, that was pretty, it's pretty good to have um, the knowledge of that. So that if there's young listeners out there or whatever, you know, they can look into that and try to get involved in that program. It helped me a lot after I got out of school to try to figure out a direction, um, you know, about getting more involved and conservation, legislative actions, categories, you know, things of that nature. So I like to put, put in a little plug for that. Fantastic. No, thank you. I am also a graduate of Project Central and always try to put in a good word for them. So um, I kind of want to get started on um, the National Association of Conservation Districts, why they got started, what their purpose is. Um, but before that, how long have you been involved with the conservation districts? Mm, I have been involved, well, this next year it'll be 10 years, so currently I got involved in 2010 is when I started it. Um, I took the place of my father, and he was involved in it for eight years prior to that, and then in the past I had one of my grandfathers was also a supervisor on the Whitewater Draw Board um, to promote conservation in the area. Wow. Okay. So you have a little bit or quite a bit of history um, being involved. Um, So if you'll tell me and the audience sort of what the National Association of Conservation Districts is, um, I think it would help a lot of people understand maybe why they should get involved. Okay. Um, NACD or the National Association of Conservation Districts is the, you know, the federal or the national group of conservation districts across the entire country that come together and they put forth legislation to try to help promote um, specific ideas that they want to see in the farm bill, whether it's for direction of food security, um, implementation of other farm bills towards conservation dollars such as um, being more efficient with irrigation systems, um, reducing any soil erosion controls um, such as rock barriers, um, reducing brush so that uh, grass canopy can take over so you don't have the massive erosion. Those are some of the things that NACD does at that level. As you step back from the national level and you come back down to the local or to a state level, um, NACD promotes conservation efforts by helping out with some funding for like state associations or even local conservation districts to help them get um, technical expertise available 
So, for example, this last year, uh, the National Association Conservation Districts got uh, they were got became partners with uh, NRCS, and through that partnership, they were able to get a pool of, a pot of money, and out of that money, they were they turned it around and presented it to the state associations or the conservation districts in the state. Arizona was able to get a cultural resource person to help with um, cultural clearances, help out uh, projects up there in the central part of Arizona. They tied in on another person that is working out of the Snowflake Cholo area. They have a cultural resource person up there to help them move forward with projects to help them work with NRCS, um, U.S. Forest Service, BLM, to try to get programs implemented on the ground. We've got another one in Kingman for technical assistance, and then an also a fourth one in Wilcox that is going to help with the same thing, technical assistance about getting projects out on the ground. When I mean projects, I'm talking about like cultural occurrences, mm -hmm. making sure that there's no historical artifacts that can be damaged on a project, whether it's a fence, a pipeline, or brush removal, um, oh. to make sure that that is historically recorded. So, I mean, it, they help out a lot all the way from the national level down to the ground level. Fantastic. That's um, good information to know. And thank you for kind of explaining how the National Association works on implementing things here in Arizona, because that's it was kind of where my question was going. And you kind of just took with it and um, ran with that. Um, mm -hmm. So how do the local conservation districts fit into this entire picture? What is their role? So in the you know, in the 1930s, there was the Dust Bowl. It was people that were going out there, they were farming the land. Lots of things were happening at that time. A new rash of technology happened. Um, so people were really trying to farm hard and farm the ground just coming out of the, you know, during the later part of the recession. And at that time, it happened to have an immensely significant drought occurred at that time hence mm -hmm. the dust bowl when the devastation that took you know it took off like the top layer of soil and you know the breadbasket of the farmland in the country well the government says like we can't have that we want to go in there and try to focus our efforts to make sure that we don't lose the soil because that is what we're going to, that is what we're going to keep building our nation on. So they started with the soil and water service. So they wanted to go out and help producers to, you know, do proper practices so that they don't get way out there and an event like a, a drought can come in and be such a devastating event like it did. You know, but nobody trusted the government. So state out state state organizations or state land commissioners or the state government, however you want to say it, they said, "Well, let's put together conservation districts." Well, they were enabled in 1941 to put together state agencies like that. 
Okay. And, but the key behind the conservation efforts that they wanted to make sure was that, that it had to be locally led. It had to be knowledge of in the area and on the ground. So they asked for supervisors that were producers, landowners, uh, ranchers in the area that had knowledge of what their country can and can't do to try to influence the efforts of the federal government. Because the federal government wanted to make sure that the overall was the benefit, and but they wanted to make sure that the local knowledge was available. So that's how come we came up with district supervisors. In Arizona, there's 32 districts that are ran underneath the state land department, Arizona State Land Department. And then there's also 10 tribal districts and all of them have the same uh, responsibilities. You know, it's to protect the resources within their districts, land, water, air, um, and things of that nature. Absolutely. Um, so just for the audience's sake, if I'm putting the pieces together correctly, the National Association and NRCS, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, um, they need the help of the local conservation districts to understand what the producers needs are on the ground level. Is that correct? Yes. Um, everything starts at the ground level. If there's an issue, uh, within conservation districts, um, they have local working groups, local workshops, which they come together and invite the community and producers and agency folks come together to see if there's different resources that have come up that need to be addressed. Within those local work groups, they go and figure out how to address those change or what can we do on that. Being district supervisors and each district can go and engage in cooperative agreements with agencies so that they can influence them to put forth efforts such as money, technical assistance to try and address the problem. As it leaves the, the local level, they go and engage producers to engage with NRCS or the Natural Resource Conservation Service who has uh, federal funding um, through within the Farm Bill. And those federal dollars come out can go and actually help a producer or help a community or help an area address natural resource concerns. NACED hears what's going on at the ground level and tries to make sure that those things that are issues such as, you know, water in Arizona, mm -hmm. that they can influence how things should be addressed and looked at at the at Washington. I see. Okay, that that's coming together nicely. That makes sense to me. Um, so I just kind of want to touch base about um, some on the ground successes that the districts and the state association have have worked on some of these larger landscape size conservation efforts. Um, you did mention that we have some personnel on the ground now here in Arizona, thanks to some of these efforts from the National Association. Um, but what other projects have, um, you know, the districts and the state association coordinated on and really been the leaderships on to see them through to completion? Um, state, the state association, along with the local district people, have worked together, for example, up there in uh, Apache County, Navajo County. Yeah, that is the uh, Cholo Snowflake area of Arizona. 
they worked on doing cultural clearances to do brush removal. Um, Pinon or juniper up there was encroaching, uh, sucking up a lot of water, reducing the grass cover. So the districts went up, the districts in that part of the world went, came together, worked with their local agency groups and put forth uh, efforts to get cultural clearances on the ground and remove this brush. The, pos the positive side of this, of this landscape treatment is that they're not having as dirty water, um, you know, that's a water quality issue, which is uh, that the districts always have to look to address in their work, local work groups. So there's water quality. The water is not running off. It's being soaked into the aquifer. So it's increasing the amount of water. The water is better. They're keeping the soil on the ground right there. And so far they've done over 6,000 acres and they have clearances to do almost 60,000 acres. So, you know, that's going to be a multi-year long-term program that's going to be eventually beneficial for the community and Arizona. And that's just one. Um, down here in the southern part of the state, um, Hereford, in our CD outside of Sierra Vista, between Sierra Vista and Benson, mm -hmm. um, they're, they were seeing a lot of erosion from flash flooding events in the summertime. That district worked with the state association at that time, but they took the lead on that to try to get funding, private funding, and take that and match it with uh, federal funding and also some state funding. And they put in a water retention basin. That water retention basin covers 60 acres, I believe, 40 or 60 acres. And it's going to be able to allow over a thousand acre feet of water a year to settle into the aquifer that will eventually benefit to the cities of Sierra Vista and the San Pedro River. Reduce the amount of sediment so that the river doesn't have any quality issues, water quality issues that are flowing up or downstream towards the Phoenix area. It'll all be benefited, but they looked at it and saw that there was an issue mm -hmm. on the upper end and addressed it out. That district has been very uh, proactive in brush management so that they can get rid of some invasive brush. And with that, it's also making the water quality better in that, in that part of the state. Um, you know, another one that has been good is not only conservation on water and ground, but um, Winkleman area outside of Globe put forth and worked with U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Arizona Game and Fish, and other partners and came up with best management practices on the Sonoran Desert Tortoise. Oh, okay. Uh, with these best management practices, they, are, they came up with the best way that producers, um, people that want to go out and rec recreate, and hunters can go out and enjoy the the you know, the country without having to have uh, a negative impact on the Sonoran Desert Tortoise because it was locally led and knowledge on the ground came forth. U.S. Fish and Wildlife sound, signed off on it and prevented that species from becoming like a super, an endangered species. And now it's, 
you know, a species that they're watching and everybody is on the same page of working together to create habitat and to create the best beneficial for everything and everybody. Wow. Okay. So I have a couple of clarifying questions that I just want to ask. Um, what you said was the work of the Association of Conservation Districts um, and with Arizona Game and Fish, they were able to keep the desert tortoise from being listed as an endangered species, correct? Yes. That's incredible. Um, a couple other questions that are coming to mind. Um, how does the districts and the state association work with the different um, government agencies? Because we have such a, you know, um, I would say checkerboarded um, landscape of um, land ownership here in Arizona. How does that work when you're working with state land, Bureau of Land Management, U.S. Forest Service, trying to get projects on the ground? Mm -hmm. So the state association goes and we try to have uh, leadership discussions, you know, quarterly with mm -hmm. the agency folks. You know, we meet with everybody at least once a year. Okay. Uh, BLM has, you know, they have their focus effort. State land wants to protect their interests. Well, and the conservation districts and the state association wants to bring everybody to the table to have uh, an open discussion and a meeting so that it's not just like one of the agencies who, you know, is responsible for the land coming and says, like, there's no way that we can come to terms on anything, we're going to do this because this is what we come up with. The state association tries to bring everybody to the table, have an open discussion, and then try to offer support to the districts who are being affected. Um, you know, the districts can come up with technical expertise to go and help the agencies um, where they get backlogged on stuff. Um, the districts, have, the state association has been in partnership with as many as 20 agencies and tribes to try to get conservation on the ground, you know, across the state of Arizona. Wow. Um, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And that was a question that I definitely wanted to ask because of the multiple landowners um, across, well, the West, not just Arizona. Um, with that being said, how is a conservation project determined to be funded? Um, are there criteria for that? What's the underlying basis um, that a decision is made on that? So depending on how the funding comes from, so let's take example, uh, the Natural Resource Serv Conservation Service, NRCS, has mm -hmm. a program called EQIP, and it's funded through the Farm Bill. And it is to be directed towards um, you know, programs or projects that can improve the landscape, re, uh, conserve the natural resources, etc. cetera. Uh, for these projects to get funded, the local district holds their local working group and they say is like, well, these are our, our most important natural resource concerns that we want to address. And they list them out. And with that of the local knowledge, they encourage NRCS to go and say, it's like, okay, these are how we want, you know, the resource concerns that we want to see addressed. And then it goes through a ranking process between, you know, and then what the district says has a value. And then one NRCS uh, requirements, it has a value. And then what the producer wants to, go, wants to do all gets entered into um, 
a ranking process and then it's valued out and every NRCS office. Now, not every district has its own office okay. within the district, but every district is served by, can be served by NRCS. Okay. So those projects get ranked, rolled out about how, and then it's rolled out according to funding, how many projects in a year can get funded. Can actually get and then that rolls out. If now there is a water protection fund that the state legislation of Arizona has put through that has allocated money for uh, water enhancement projects or water beneficial projects or research projects with dueling with water, mm -hmm. and that is funded from the state legislation, and there is a board of uh, there is a group or a board on that that is appointed by governor or by the governor um several district supervisors are on that um several people from municipalities are on that and they receive these applications of all the people that want to do projects or research and then they rank them out on who they think should you know receive some funding for whatever project that they propose like a grant writing process and sure. then they make that decision. Okay, so um, there's NRCS funds, um, which is for our audience, Natural Resource Conservation Service, and then the water protection funds available. Um, are there other pots of money or grants that are available to producers for conservation projects and that might only be available through um, their membership or involvement with the conservation districts? Mm, there could be, you know, it all depends on the timing. It all depends on who has the money and where they want to focus in. <laughs> you kind of find out that um, government funding comes and goes, but when it shows up, it seems like it needs to be um, addressed and handed out in a in a very timely manner. So one of the benefits of like supervisors that have knowledge of what's going on in the district and you know, even the state association who go and talk to producers in the districts across the state, um, they know or they hear when these funding sources are coming available. And then they go and they say, "Is like, hey, you know, is there somebody in your district that can use this pot of money? Ideally, there's somebody, one of the supervisors or the district board has an idea of like, yeah, we can find somebody that might be interested in doing a project like that. So then we were able to help the producer and we're also helping the agency that ha that has this money for whatever, you know, some in the past, there's been some money that has recently come available for um, water quality issues along the San Pedro. We were able to, you know, that district was able to address that and mm -hmm. able to get money out the door in a timely manner. You know, it, it, it ebbs and flows. Okay. Um, and things like that. But it definitely helps being prepared and having the district's um, resource issues and concerns sort of already laid out and a plan in place to be ready if those funds are available, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. One of the biggest struggles that the state association and even districts have that they see is like, um, they usually don't have enough money to cover all to cover an entire project, and a lot of the monies that are coming available 
they're looking for match, whether it be um, a private money, but non-federal dollars. So, you know, it could be a match of time or equipment or even a monetary value. Mm-hmm. But some districts don't have the the resources to come up with that initial match. So sometimes they they fall a little short. You know, and that's what we've been trying to do as a state association is try to find more of a private match so that when those projects come up, you know, we can go out there and and request the funds that come available and then actually get the project out on the ground. Actually make it Because happen. we actually know where the projects need to go. Mm-hmm. We just can't quite get them funded, but we're working on it. Nice. That that makes perfect sense to me. So we've touched on a couple of things a little bit about why um, someone should be become a member or I know the conservation districts actually call them a cooperator. Um, but why should someone be involved and become a cooperator of their local conservation district? So there's a lot of knowledge that can be available for local producers, you know, producers that are just starting um you know, they can be directed from their district to go to the FS, the Farm Service Agency. Mm-hmm. They can go, be directed to go to uh, NRCS for technical assistance. Or if a district is capable, like, you know, the ones that I mentioned, they can go to those districts and ask them, it's like, hey, I need help doing this project. How do I go about doing it? And supervisors that have the knowledge of local work, you know, the local area of who's involved, and what's available, they can help those people get started, move forward on their projects. Um, you know, most, you know, there's 20, 20 plus ed center, education centers across the state. And within those education centers is, you know, there are knowledge of, of how to, you know, address land issues, you know, where to go, uh, information that is available. Uh, you know, one of the prime examples is like the Ed Center up in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. They say that they see over uh, over 50,000 people a year and educate them on their forestry issues, on their wildlife up there, and on conservation issues. You know, that's a lot of people that wouldn't know anything outside of town, but because they they know of the Ed Center up there, they're engaged of what's going on. I see. And just to clarify, these Ed Centers, they're connected with the conservation districts, correct? Yes. The Ed Centers are um, nonprofits of the conservation districts. And the conservation districts set them up to better inform producers and landowners. Fantastic. And students as well. And students, and and assuming the public as well, um, if you're seeing 3,000 people in Flagstaff a year. Um, So as a business owner and as a rancher, a generational rancher, what is one thing that you wish someone had shared with you about the conservation districts before you got involved yourself? And then what would have been um, most valuable for you to understand before taking on Um, your role as a district supervisor? Mm, Conservation districts, had I known um, how much work you'd have to do, Mm -hmm. you know, that would have been intriguing because, 
you know, there's a lot of work. You got to go and you got to keep talking to people. You got to keep, you know, figuring out what's going on. You know, if there's money, what resources need to be addressed, you know, drive around and see if there's something that you don't know. The benefit of it is that once you get involved and engaged, you get, you get kind of excited about seeing that. You kind of come up with your own ideas. You're kind of like, oh, you know what? I wonder if I can get like the county to get involved with us and maybe the local city and see if we can address this erosion because it's flooding in this part of town. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things like that. Um, it's a, it's an inner, it's an interesting, oh, gelling process about how once you start working with people, how they eventually want to work harder with you uh-huh. to get things done. And, you know, that was an exciting thing that it, it took me a couple of years to learn. But now that I see it as, you know, within the state association, you really see it happening a lot, a lot more. I see. So even though at first you felt like, oh, this is a huge time commitment, um, you're seeing sort of the, the fruits of your labor now. And it's, it, you're saying it's definitely valuable to get involved. Oh, absolutely. There's so much knowledge out there. And then, you know. There's so little that an individual can do, but if you get a lot of people that are focused on the same game page and the same plan, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like things can actually happen. That makes perfect sense. A, a pulling of resources, so to say. Yeah. Um, and then what do you like most right now about being involved in the conservation district world? Oh, I like how we're, everything's kind everything's, has come together in the last couple of years about how we're moving forward about being able to help the districts um, become more successful. Um, the strength of the association being able to help the districts, um, the state agencies have been uh, very helpful. The, the federal agencies have been helpful too about how the partnerships that they want to bring to the table to try to get programs done um, within Arizona. A uh, number of years ago, it was kind of lacking, and I've seen it more. I've seen it stronger in other states, and I feel like Arizona is finally at that point where people are coming together and looking at conservation districts and saying, it's "Like, you know, this is an untapped resource that, you know, we can we can lean on because they've got local knowledge." So I'm excited to see how this will all play out in the next couple of years. Fantastic. Well, I hope this brings some more attention to the conservation districts and that local knowledge and the local resources that they have available to really bring parties together and make a difference. Um, So with that being said, I kind of want to wrap up with just a few more questions. What is um, one thing that you would like other agriculturalists or business owners to know about the conservation districts that we haven't maybe touched on, right? Oh, that they're out there, that they're available, you know, um, with conservation districts, they are able, they are the local expertise. And they are also um, accredited in statute as being the local expertise in the state of Arizona. So if you were to, if a producer was wanting to engage and work with, um, say, some kind of state agency, being the conservation districts are 
a subsidiary of, of state government, they can go and enter into um, agreements with those state agencies to try to get something more to try to make people more agreeable to get something done rather than just having one citizen raising cane. You know, the districts are available to coordinate federal and state and local governments mm -hmm. together to address resource concerns. So, you know, there's a lot of, of valuable knowledge and and leverage that can be available through the conservation districts for producers and peoples and landowners to to get positive effects of conservation on the ground. I would agree, Frank. That's why we're having this conversation. Um, I, I'm grateful to interview you. And do you think enough um, producers are involved or um, what's your hope for the next year? Would you like to see more producers involved? Oh, I'd like to see more producers. You know, it's always one of those things that the more the more people that are involved, the the greater the better the average is. And when that being said is like the more people that are having the same resource concerns mm -hmm. come together and focus their voice through like conservation district, you know, it's better it's it'll be a a louder voice to be heard to be to address a conservation issue, a resource concern issue, you know. And if it goes through, if those producers go through their district at, with a resource concern and it comes to the state association, and then the state association can go and help try to draft legislation to try to address that, or conservation districts can go and reach out to their local governments to try to get the issue addressed, you know. It's not just one man fighting fighting everybody it's you know we can all come together to address the overall resource concern needs fantastic so there's this network of support um yeah with that being said if anybody wanted to reach you and get more information about the conservation districts how do they find you so aacd arizona association of conservation districts has a website it is aacd 1944 Dot com. That's the year that Arizona Association became, you know, recognized state association. And that on that website, there's tons of information, what we've done, where we are, who we are. And on there, there's a contact page. And that's the best way to get a hold of us is like, just go there, um, contact, uh, you know, the people who work for the state association, uh, if there's any kind of questions that need to be answered. And through that is there's somebody that needs to have a question about the local district level, we can also try to find, we can also get the information about who is at your local level. That if you have an uh, issue that you need to be addressed, it, it can be found there. So our website's probably the best way to get a hold of us. The best. Okay. Thank you, Frank. That wraps up all the questions that I have for you this evening. Um, I really appreciate your time. This has been fun. You bet. Thank you, Amber.